0: So Jude is, uh, in my Bible, it's barely more than a page. If you go all the way to the back in Revelation, uh, and it's right before the book of Revelation starts. So if you can find that book, just go right to the beginning of it. Uh, And then it's past 1st, 2nd Peter and 1, 2, 3 John. It's after that, but those aren't as big. But uh, the book of Jude, small book in the New Testament, uh, only 25 verses long, uh, but uh, there there is a lot packed into this small book of the Bible, and I want to look at it. Uh, I was looking down through my notes, and uh, and I preached a message from Jude in 2018. I preached a message from Jude in 2020, and now 2022. It seems like every other year I'm coming back uh, to this book, and. Uh, Uh, Like I said, it's powerful and it's it talks about the time we're in now. You know, it is it is for us right now for the church uh, and especially as we think about the last days. But Jude uh, in verse three is where we're going to start. Uh, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of that of the great day." "...even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me today. Lord, fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Open up our hearts and our ears uh, to what your word has for us. If any are lost, I pray they'd get saved. Any uh, that don't know, Lord, I pray that they would get it settled today. Lord, help us to learn from your word. Draw us closer to you and help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. So the small book, Uh, Jude was the brother of James and both James and Jude were half brothers of Jesus Christ. But instead of calling themselves that, they both call themselves uh, if you look at verse 1, they call themselves servants of Jesus Christ. So even though they were related to him, they called themselves a servant. Uh, and Jude is writing to the church. We know that because again in verse 1, uh, it says uh, to uh, to them that are sanctified by the God, by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. And then in verse 3 that we started reading calls him beloved at the beginning. And I'm here to tell you, if you are saved today, if you are saved because if you called on Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, if you're saved and a Christian uh, because you trusted uh, in what Jesus did on the cross, his finished work uh, for the forgiveness of sins then that means you are sanctified. That's what he called them first. That means you're set apart. You you are different, praise God, uh, than this world. Uh, You're not only that but he called the church preserved. Hey, no man can take away your salvation, praise God. No one's stealing it from you. We are preserved in Jesus Christ and we are called Uh, just like Jesus uh, did the drawing the Holy Spirit drew us and convicted us uh, before we were saved he has also called us uh, into a specific plan that he has for each one of our lives aren't you glad that we're sanctified we're preserved and we're called Uh, I'm telling you what if you're saved you're all free of those things and more Uh, but in verse 3 you see that Jude initially he's going to write he was wanting. to to write something different he said uh uh, when i gave all due all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation he wanted to write about salvation that's what he wanted but it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints he's saying hey We've already got a problem. Just a few decades after Christ's ministry was over, they're already having a problem with false teachers false prophets, whatever you want to call them, uh, teaching things uh, that were not biblical, that were not godly. They had already infiltrated the church. And guess what? We are in the same age. We're still in the church age. We're still in the age of grace today, uh, as the book of Jude uh, was when it was written so long ago. Uh, And the command is still the same thing. Ye should earnestly contend. That wrestle uh, for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints Uh, The devil is trying to creep, he is trying to use men to creep in, to do what? To sneak in false doctrine. That's what he's trying to do. And then verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares. You know what that tells me? He's saying we've got to contend for the faith because uh, they are sneaking in and you can't tell it. That's what he's saying, unaware. Uh, You can't just see it. Uh, They look like any other Christian person. They look like uh, uh, they're one of us. And nobody could tell how dangerous that they really were. But Jude tells us in verse 4, he says, here's how you spot them." Here's how you figure out uh, if it's a wolf in sheep's clothing or if it's just one of the brethren. Uh, here's how you figure it out. Number one, he said, look at two things. Number one, they will be ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. So the holiness and righteousness that's described in the Bible that we're commanded to live by, what do they do? They abandon that righteousness and they replace it with something else. They replace it with following your own lust, following what makes you feel good, uh, what seems good in our mind, and whether it's a lust for power, a lust for money, a sexual lust, these sinful behaviors are encouraged and all they say is it's all covered by the grace of God, right? That's what they say. That's what these what these false teachers will come in and say hey what if you can live however you want whatever makes you feel good whatever seems to match society uh whatever uh, uh you do you you know you hear all these different sayings and everything and that has crept into the church there are many denominations today that you don't have to go back very many years and they were completely different they were completely different. In fact, you go back about 100 years and the denomination name didn't mean a whole lot for most of them. They were all preaching the same truth of the word of God but now many have turned and they come together and you know what they do? They vote on whether they're going to stand for things of the Bible or whether they're going to turn to the things and the ways of the world, right? We've got many that are conforming to this world and, and they're, they're trying to figure out how do we decide this? How do we figure it out? I'll tell you how this church is going to figure it out as long as I'm here. We're going to go to God's word. We're not going to go to a committee and ask, "What, brothers, sisters, what do you think? We're going to have a vote tonight on whether we're going to accept this sin or that sin. No, God doesn't accept it. God forbid. And that's what he's saying. Because what happens is it starts creeping in. They start uh, uh, turning these things and start leaning on God's grace to live however they want beyond what God designed. And you know what the end result is? They affirm the sinful lifestyle. And we would call it today, one of the big names that would be liberal Christianity. And I'm not talking about politics, but I'm talking about where uh, they will allow anything to go on. But where does it start? What does it sound like? I was doing some research and I found a couple things. This is... See, they won't come right in and say, we're going to be sinful, right? They're going to creep in unaware, and they're going to be deceptive. So here's some lines that I found that you might hear from these certain men that would creep in unaware. And here's the thing you're thinking, Mike, uh, I don't think they're going to come in and sit among us, and you're probably right, They're, they're probably not going to come right in here and try to turn this church upside down, but I tell you what they will do, they'll get online. They'll get on YouTube. They'll get on Instagram and different places like that and give you little sound bites and different things and try to convince you of their ways. Here are some of the things I, I found. How about this? We're all on a spiritual journey together trying to figure things out. Have you heard something like that? Yeah. That's dangerous. Because they're not on a spiritual journey looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. They're on a spiritual journey of figuring out what they want to believe. Right? How about this one? God's love is unconditional. They'll say that. We are thinking, well, Mike, it is. His, his, he died for us when there was, Jesus died on the cross for us when there was nothing for us to give. And that is correct. But then they'll take it even further and say God loves even sin. That's not true. But that's how it starts. How about this one? God's creation shows Diversity. Well, that's a buzzword today, isn't it? Diversity, right? He created a diverse groups of people, uh, so obviously God loves diversity. Now what's that lead to? The world's uh, definition of diversity, right? Everything uh, is okay, whatever's... And then here's another one. We celebrate everybody, right? Have you heard these things? Yeah. It's creeping in and it's crept in. But here's the thing, these ones, maybe you follow them online. If you start to hear that stuff, you've got to turn it off. You've got to unfollow. You've got to move on to someone else. uh, Because here's the thing, here's where they get to. They get to the point where all judgment is removed. Because that's what you have to do. You abandon what God says is is uh, is right or wrong. And because of that, you're saying that God will never judge right or wrong. Everything is affirmed and everything is viewed as positive. That's the end result. And here's the thing. We are on a spiritual journey together. uh, We were saved uh, from different sins and different lifestyles. uh, and, And, you know, they say that they're trying to figure everything out as if there's no authoritative guide to lead us in our Christian lives as if there's no Bible let's look at what Jesus said. Matthew 7, 13, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it beware of false prophets which come in you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Jesus Christ himself. Don't let them say that Jesus doesn't care how you live. He cares how you live. In fact, he said that Broadway that many are in, he, what did he say? It's a wide Broadway. What does that mean? There's all kinds of lanes in that, right? Just like a big uh, highway where you can pick the all, all sorts of lanes and then it starts to divide up and go different directions that's the way this world is and he's saying hey every one of those lanes leads to the same place that's hell right that's destruction and that's unfortunate he said straight and narrow is the way that leads unto life how narrow is it it's as narrow as this bible is right jesus cares you know what spiritual journey he wants you to be on One of sanctification after you're saved. What's that mean? Uh, And and we believe that uh, once you're saved, you don't instantly turn into a perfect person. I wish we did, but we don't. But you know what happens? We turn into a new creature that starts being more like Christ every day, right? More love in our hearts for the Lord, less love for the world, right? Uh, uh, That that sin uh, doesn't draw us like it used to. We don't give in to temptation as much as we used to. Why? Because we're drawing closer to Jesus Christ. That's the spiritual journey we need to be on. What else did I say? God's love is unconditional. We're going to go back to Jesus again. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. You know what Jesus said true love is? True love comes from righteousness and obedience. Right? This world does not love somebody that affirms sinful behavior. I use that word a lot because this world loves this word, right? If I say your sinful life is okay, if I affirm that, then all the destruction that comes with that is on me, right? If I say it's okay to live however you want, we know from the Bible, we know a lot of us know from firsthand that sin is destructive, right? It harms you. It harms your mind, it harms your body, it hurts your family and friends around you, and we look at certain things, and this world accepts certain sins. You ever notice that? It doesn't accept other ones, right? They'll look at the person that's strewn out in drugs and is so far gone and lost everything, they'll look down at that. Yet, they'll they'll look at other sin and say, that's good. They're both just as destructive. Why? Because they all lead to death. Sin always leads to death. True love, you know where it comes from? Jesus Christ dying on the cross for sinners, right? That's true love. When we weren't worth anything, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't have anything to give to him. Guess what? We still don't have any good thing to give to him. He died for us. That's the love. And he says, I did that for you. If you want to show you love me, you keep my commandments, right? You know what he's saying? Don't say you love me and don't keep them. Right? Don't be a hypocrite. Show me you love me. What about this? God's creation shows diversity. We'll go back to Jesus, Mark 10:6, but from the beginning of the creation, God made the male and female. Period. For this cause, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife? Right? Yes. I don't see a whole list of genders there. I see two. And in fact, then he talks about marriage after that. And he doesn't say spouse. He says, for this cause shall a man that had a father and mother, right? Because that's the only way you're coming into this earth, by the way. A man shall leave them and cleave to his wife. Makes it pretty clear right there. Jesus said that, right? some of them say, well, Jesus never talked about homosexuality. I'll tell you what he did talk about. He said there's two genders. And he said this is the way of marriage. And that's it. So you can take from it what you want. That's it. Guess what? Fornication is sex outside of marriage. He says this is the only way you can get married. So anything else is wrong. It's that simple. Jesus affirmed creation. He affirmed that there's only two created genders. He affirmed marriage between a man and a woman. He did all of that in two sentences. And we're all born in sin because of Adam. But the new life that comes from salvation, what does that do? It shows that no matter our past, there's a diversity of sinful pasts in this room. Right? There's all kinds of, some of us were saved young, some were saved older, some were involved in this, some were involved in that. But guess what? We can all be unified in the fact that he saved us completely. when we trusted in Jesus Christ. So from diversity of sinfulness, we've got unity in Jesus Christ, praise God. That's the plan. That's the plan. What about this? We celebrate everyone, right? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, right? Like the world, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And I like this verse. And such were some of you. Mm. But ye are washed... But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in our own name. No, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Praise God for that. He lists all those things that will keep you from heaven. And then he says, but what's he say? And such were some of you, just in case you forgot what your past was. I don't want you, you know what? I, I don't want you to glorify in that past, but I also don't want you to forget it right? I want you to remember what Jesus has brought you from, because sometimes I think we get a little prideful, and I think we need to remember that it's Jesus that saved us. That's why we're here today. And such were some of you. Oh, but when we came to Jesus, what did he do? He washed our sins away, praise God, and made it. We were filthy, and he made us clean. He sanctified us. He set us apart, and he justified us in his name. What's justified mean? Uh, Just as if we'd never sinned. Not just that. he takes the sin away, oh, but he takes the righteousness of Jesus Christ and puts it on our account. We're justified today, praise God, all because of Jesus Christ. But let's go back to Jude chapter, or Jude verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unawares who before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. We talked about all that. We spent a lot of time. That's one way to spot them. You know the other way to spot them and they go together and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see that? You want to figure you want to find a false teacher? Look at if they're teaching righteousness and true Bible righteousness, and look at how they're dealing with Jesus Christ. And guess what? If you're going to teach ungodly living, you've got to change the real Jesus to your own Jesus. And what are you doing? You're denying, what's he saying? The only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what they do. They will creep in, and they'll change Jesus. That's why we've got to know who the real one is. Mike, how do you know who the real one is? He's right here. He's right here. Everything we need to know about him is right here. Praise God. So the Bible warns of these false prophets and false teachers. They were prevalent in that day. They're still prevalent today. And then uh, the last thing I want to look at is these last three verses, verses five, six, and seven. He gives three examples of judgment in the Bible. Verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people uh, out of the land of Egypt afterward, destroyed them that believed not. He reminds them first, he says, hey, you remember you used to be slaves in Egypt uh, but I brought you out of that. I brought you out of the bondage of Egypt, freed you from being a slave. And we know they were uh, that it's also a spiritual picture. Uh, Egypt is always a picture of the world and a picture of sin and it's a picture of those children of Israel being brought out as a spiritual picture of being freed from the bondage of sin praise God I'll tell you what when we were lost we didn't realize we were in chains and we were serving the devil and didn't even realize it but aren't you glad he broke those chains and it came time for them to cross over into the promised land remember that God had given them that land he promised it to them he said I want you to go and take it I'll be with you I'll give you the victory. What'd they do? They sent spies. Those spies came back. They had a mixed report, didn't they? Oh, we found these big grapes. We found the milk and honey, but we found giants, right? We found walled cities and everything else, and they were afraid, and they chose to uh, go with their logic. We're not big enough. We're not powerful enough. We can't take it instead of trusting in faith like Joshua and Caleb did. So they trusted in their enemy more than God, and God had them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until every one of them died off except for Joshua and Caleb. Right? You remember that? That's what he's telling them right here. He's saying, hey, afterward, destroy them that believe not. I got rid of them when they didn't trust me by faith. Verse 6. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. Uh, Last Sunday, remember we talked about Legion, the man possessed with thousands of devils, Legion. uh, And we started talking about uh, fallen angels or devils. Uh, The Bible calls it the same thing. Uh, Those are the same thing. And I mentioned different things, but I I made a mistake last week. I, i I felt horrible about this. I talked about several things without giving you any Bible verses. And afterward, I was mad at myself. I said, I should have never done that. You know, sometimes you try to fit a lot in and you kind of gloss over it. But here's a verse right here that I should have given you last week. Because I don't want you to take my word on things. I want you to get into the Bible. But here, remember I said there, uh, uh, we don't know all the details because we've got Jude. We've got Genesis chapter 6. We've got a couple different things. But I told you last week, all the angels were created. Remember that? A third of them fell. We're not going to read that verse, but that's Revelation 12, 4. A third fell with Satan. And then there's a small group within the third. And people contemplate over what's going on, what they did wrong, and everything else. But that's where Genesis 6 comes in. In Noah's day, there's the wicked of the wicked angels. And you know what God did? He locked them up. That's what verse 6 is. I told you that, but I didn't give you verse 6. The angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. We know not every angel's locked up. Right? Or who would be left to possess people? Right? How, how would they be left to do the devil's work? So these are the worst of the worst. In Noah's day, they kept not their first estate. They left. Realized God, just like us, God gave every angel something to do. And that group that went with Satan decided that what God had for them wasn't good enough. Right? And they said, we're going to trust in the devil. And they followed him. Isn't that awful? Isn't that ridiculous? It's just as ridiculous when God gives us a plan for our life and we say, I want to follow a different one. Go on to verse 7. He explains right here. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities after them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Those angels, and again, people argue about what they did or didn't do, but I'll tell you what, he says, even as Sodom and Gomorrah. So that means they did things sexually that were unnatural. I, I'm glad the Bible doesn't give us all the details. We don't need them. But he said, just like the men of Sodom and Gomorrah, they are an example of judgment. That's what he said, right? The men of Sodom and Gomorrah, those people in those cities that gave themselves over to all these things are now suffering the vengeance Of eternal fire. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't just. When those hailstones rained down. And God destroyed it. They didn't just suffer for that moment. When God destroyed it. He says they're in hell today. That's what he says. Right? Everlasting. But remember those angels. Those perverted ones in Noah's day. He hath reserved in everlasting chains. Under darkness under the judgment of that great day. They're locked up waiting for that judgment day. But you know what Jude, I think, is trying to show us in these three verses? He's saying, number one, he's saying those children of Israel that I brought out of Egypt still didn't, those ones that didn't trust me by faith, I got rid of them. Those angels that left and followed the devil and then did whatever they did in Noah's day uh, sexually, I've locked them up and they're going to be judged. And the ones in Sodom and Gomorrah that didn't escape They're in hell right now and they're locked up and I'll judge them. You know what he's showing us? God says, I know how to judge, right? And judgment is coming. So for those certain men that crept in unaware, right? For those ones that are sneaking in, trying to pervert the gospel, those ones that are trying to show us, tell us that we can live however they want. God is giving those men three examples. He says, hey. If I judge those three, I will judge you too. And that's scary. You know what that tells me? I don't want to preach something that's not true. I don't care if people don't want to hear it. I don't care if it goes against the popular opinion. I don't care if it costs me things. Why? Because I would rather offend somebody here than face God. The wrath of God because I led people astray. Right? I don't want to. And that's what Jude's trying to make it clear. God knows how to judge. He judged unbelieving Israel. Uh, He judged those, uh, the fallen angels. He judged the sodomites and everybody else that, that isn't mentioned. If you walk away from the truth and replace it with a lie, he'll judge you too. And here's the thing. We're in the age of grace. Remember I said that? But don't you mistake this time where God is long-suffering. He's patient as if God doesn't care about sin. He cares. Right. Just because the earth isn't swallowing us up whole when we do something doesn't mean God is not writing down what you're doing. Right. Hmm. It says we're going to give an account for every idle word. Yeah. And here's the thing. He's already judged these things. Hebrews 2.3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Let me tell you something. The only escape from the wrath of God is one thing. Salvation in Jesus Christ. That's it. How shall we escape? There is no escape other than Jesus Christ. He'll give you a new life. You can turn from your old sinful ways of life into a life of righteousness and faith. And here's the thing. We can't save ourselves and we can't change ourselves either. But the Holy Spirit inside of you will convict you, will draw you, he will teach you and he'll lead you in the path of righteousness. Why? Because he's the Holy Spirit and he'll lead you in a life of holiness. Now granted I say it many many times uh, I would be closer to God. I would be more righteous if it wasn't for me getting in the way. But I'm glad that God long suffering. I'm glad that he loves me. I'm glad that he's patient with me and I'm glad that he saved me in spite of all the times that I've let him down and I will let him down. But guess what? Uh, he wants me to get closer to him. He doesn't want me to excuse sin. He wants me to deal with sin. You know what he wants us to do? When we're getting in this Bible and we hit something and that pricks our heart, you know when he wants us to deal with it? Right at that moment. Say, Mike, that's hard. I know it is. You know what I find myself having to do if I want to be successful is I start praying right then. Say, God, if I wait another second, I'm going to give an excuse for myself. If I wait another minute, I'm going to forget about it. God, help me deal with this now. That's what he wants us to do. And then what? We got men trying to creep in unaware with their false doctrine. Let's go down. Go down to verse 20 in Jude. But ye, beloved, talking to us again, building up yourselves in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Here's the other group. And others saved with fear, Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. What's he saying? You build yourself up in faith. You get rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. You get in that Bible. And then there will come along two groups of people. Both are sinners. There's a group where you can love on them. And show them the truth. And through compassion and love and the truth. They'll come to Jesus Christ. Others you have to scare to death. That's what he says. You have to give them a little fear. Say hey hell's real. But he said, either way, you know how you give them that truth? You live righteously first. You give them the truth first. And guess what? This world needs to hear the truth. Right? Draw close to God. Look unto Jesus. Walk by faith. Tell people about the truth and about their sin. And then tell them about Jesus Christ. Because affirming sin only does one thing. It'll cause Sodom and Gomorrah to be repeated. Right? Right? 2 Peter 2 8. Remember, Lot lived in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. He lived there. He knew the truth about their sinful lifestyle. Peter tells us because it vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. He knew what they were doing, he saw what they were doing, and it vexed him. But that's all he ever did. Lot never told Sodom the truth, he never told him that it was wrong. He never told him he was saved. He never shared anything around. He never told him about God and faith in God. Uh, He didn't do any of that with his friends. And he didn't even do that with his family. Because when he went to go tell his sons-in-law, they laughed at him. Remember? And they kept on doing what they wanted to do. And his wife later on turns back and looks back. Right? He had nothing at the end. And guess what? Lot was saved. Right? That's what the Bible says. It's hard to believe, but he was saved. But all those around him, where are they at? They're in eternal fire today. That's what Jude tells us, right? Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Because Lot decided he didn't like it in his heart, but he never told anybody. You know what he was doing? He affirmed it. Even with the silence, he said, it's okay. We can't do that today. And you know what's sad? There are churches on their website. You Google this. Open and affirming. What that means is they will allow you, no matter what your lifestyle, not only to come in, but you can lead the church. You can be a member. You can lead it. You can do all those things. And here's how we're going to be. We're going to be open. You can come in. I don't care what your sin is. You can come in here and hear the gospel. But we're not affirming it. We're not affirming any of it. Because Jesus never did. He died for sin. To set us free. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Would you say that Lot. Loved those around him. When he didn't tell them the truth. Because it was offensive. You'd say no. He didn't love them. How's it any different for us today judgment is coming to this world and men and women without Jesus Christ are doomed to hell they need the truth God says hey I judged the children of Israel that were in unbelief I've got angels reserved in chains right they're waiting for the day of judgment by the way they're going to be let out in in revelation during the great tribulation And I didn't write that chapter down, but I can give that to you later. They're getting let out for a brief time and then getting back in. And then finally, Sodom and Gomorrah, they're in hell. God knows how to judge. And he says false doctrine will creep in. But guess what? All you got to do is turn to the truth. If you need to pray, maybe maybe you've got a name in your head. Maybe God's put a name on your heart. You know someone that's in a lifestyle that's destructive. Maybe you need to come up and take their name to the Father today. This world affirms it. They say it's okay. They say there's no problem. That's a lie. It's a lie. We know what happens. Right? The more they accept these lifestyles, the more they get into it, the suicide risk goes off the chart. Why? Why? Well, they'll say it's our fault. It's not our fault. Sin leads to death. They need Jesus. They need the truth. Not sugarcoating. Not affirming. And not being quiet. We've got to tell them, but we got to tell them in love. There's a day is coming where they will stand before Jesus Christ. And I believe there will be a crowd... Remember the crowd that's going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these wonderful things in your name? Didn't we build this great church? Didn't we do all these things? And he's going to say, yeah, but I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. That group is diverse. The ones that say they did things in Jesus' name, but in all reality, they missed it. They didn't come to him through the cross. They weren't saved the way the Bible says. It's sad. it's the truth I want revival today don't you we talked about Stephen in Sunday school what did he do he gave them the truth even though it offended them and they got so mad at him the rocks started flying but what happened with Stephen he looked up and he said I see the heavens open and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God What did he say? He told that same Jesus. He said, Jesus, receive my spirit. Right after that, he kneels down and says, Lord. He cried out loudly. He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Guess what? Stephen gave him the truth. And who was standing there consenting unto all of it? Saul, who would later be Paul. Right? He saw the truth. And he never forgot that. But all it did was drive him to serve Jesus Christ. What a blessing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for its truth, Lord. I thank you for this group of people that loves you. We're just trying to draw closer to you. We're trying to walk by faith and Lord, I thank you for all of that. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, uh, help us to remember these names, not just pray for them this morning, but to continue to call their name out to you. Lord, we want to see people in these destructive, sinful lifestyles turn, repent, and come to you all uh, so you could get the... glory and so they can be an example of the power of salvation. Lord we thank you for all things in Jesus name we pray and amen.